Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Thanks so much for being with us on this Monday before the NFL draft. We have got a lot to get to. This won't be the show that breaks down the mock drafts, but we're going to have some fun conversations. There are there are draft experts out there, and then there are guys like me that that just love the the stories. I love the history of the draft. I love how it affects fantasy football. Uh, I'll be I'll be watching Thursday for sure, and then uh, keeping an eye on it throughout the weekend. But but there there are some. Uh, underlying storylines that that we will get into today and for unpack this which we is what something we do every week where we take up a sports topic related to the bible related to our own lives we will unpack draft mistakes and how that parallels to our own lives and how we handle our own failures our own mistakes and and kind of draft history where teams like Jacksonville and Chicago and Detroit and the Jets have a pattern or a history of mistakes. And many of us may wrestle with that as well and some of the ramifications of that, some of the mindsets behind that. So we'll get to that uh, in just a moment. Uh, Be sure you subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, at Unpacking It, and and really appreciate your support there. If If you'll share the show with your friends, we greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, this show is is for you. We're doing it with you. We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this week's draft? What about your favorite team? Who do you hope your favorite team drafts this week? And what players do you buy into? Of, of all the guys coming out, of all the draftees, of all the prospects, who's your guy that you think, man, that guy's going to have an awesome NFL career? Let us know. You can leave your comments uh, on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, wherever you are listening. And you can always email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. We will also do what we're convinced of in just a moment. And if you want to let us know what you're convinced of, uh, you can do that as well. Just leave your comments wherever you're listening in the chat. Uh, before we do that, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Today on the show, we are joined by Luke Eaton. He's in Texas. Henry Bienamine, he is in Connecticut. We all come together to put this show on. We'll hear from Henry in a little bit during our segment, Tap Drill, where we tap around some of the funny, goofy, random topics from the sports week, and, and we'll do that with him. But let's say good morning to Luke. Luke. How was the weekend? How are you, man? The weekend was great. It is, uh, I have a unbelievable story Ooh. to share from the weekend. A, a very unique experience. So I was, Madeline and I were a part of a wedding and we met the groom and the bride 
the day before the wedding. <laughs> so what? yes. So the I was wedding crashers. I was a groomsman. Madeline was a bridesmaid. And we met them the day before they got married. So a fa fascinating story. So uh, Donovan and Alexis are the couple. I nicknamed him the Don. I was trying to be his number one hype man. So I just kept calling him the Don all night. Um, but so they had just moved here from Ohio. And they, didn't, they don't know anyone. And they're getting married. They got married yesterday. So what they wanted to do was let's just ask a bunch of strangers because they're kind of eloping kind of not and they say they were thinking let's just ask a bunch of strangers to be our wedding party to be our groomsmen our bridesmaids so Bold. so they had a, a few neighbors a few co-workers and then we madeline and i are really good friends with the cup a couple that lives down the street the wife is a wedding photographer and videographer so she told us hey this couple i'm shooting a wedding for they need another groomsman and bridesmaid. Would you guys want to be a part of that? And we, with, with no seconds of hesitation, thought 100%. When are we ever going to get this opportunity? So we uh, all wore grayish color suits, showed up to a chapel. There was a minister there, and we were part of the wedding. And it was an incredibly unique, fun, just outrageous amazing experience of yeah we uh because we, we all show up to the rehearsal the day the day the day before and we're all like going in a circle introducing ourselves like like in a in a college class before like in, in syllabus week we're all saying our name where <laughs> we're from and i'm like this is insane this Favorite is amazing color. so uh incredible experience this weekend Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, could you feel confident standing up there saying, yeah, this couple should be together? <laughs> I mean, come on, you don't even know them. You're putting your, your, uh, your uh, credibility on the line as a groomsman. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I wasn't best man. I, I wasn't standing in the best man position. I was uh, okay. second to the left. Um, so so yeah, now are you buddies? Are you going to be hanging out? Are you going to be at their anniversary party or what? I mean, what's, <laughs> what, what is the, the, the story moving forward? <laughs> So it's 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 certainly very unknown. So they're, they're going to be living about an hour away. So so I'm good buddies with the photographer's husband. So so we we hang out all the time, and we're thinking like, I was like, I kind of want to maintain this relationship just because it's cool. But certainly there's no requirement that we need to be best friends. But it'd be cool to keep in touch sometime. He found out that I'm a golfer, so he wants me to teach him how to play golf. So he's trying to get uh, he wants to get the whole wedding party together for a weekend. And, yeah, uh, the post-wedding bachelor party. That's right. So, so Madeline and I definitely are dipping our toes in the water on what we want the relation, relationship to be going forward. But happy for the Don and Alexis the to Don. be a part of, the part of their special day. It was, uh, it was very, it was very fun, very interesting. Because very, we're walking down, and I'm standing up there, and there, there's no one there. There's her parents were there, and then no one. And we're standing up there, and of course the minister is cracking jokes like, "Thank you all for coming." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, got it, got to say that joke." And uh, oh my drop gosh, in there, but yeah, it's, I, uh, very I, unknown going heard, forward. Never heard of such a thing. I mean, I, I guess yeah, I guess crazy situations in, in Las Vegas or whatever. But but for you to uh, to get roped in on that uh, is fascinating. So and good if, for you. You were willing to do it. You came in through the clutch in the clutch. I know, and uh, I'm uh, and now, apparently I might be a TikTok star. So apparently, apparently it blew up on TikTok. One of the bridesmaids posted about it. Um, but yeah, it was because uh, it, it was like they're kind of eloping, but we had a rehearsal and a wedding party. So it's not like just showing up to the courthouse in Vegas or something. But 
<laughs> it was a legit wedding they planned and i was part a part of gift? it what did you get him for a gift uh my my, my time i got him my time oh, but, no, but Mad- yeah. madeline got a gift as a bridesmaid no gift <laughs> one of the groom one of the groomsmen his co-workers came up and just handed him 300 dollars cash <laughs> <laughs> said hey man here you go <laughs> Oh my gosh. Now, did you get a groomsman gift? Did you get like a, a little knife with your name on it? <laughs> no, no pocket knife. No, but Matt, no Mad- knife? Madeline got a bridesmaid necklace and bracelet and little gift bag. So very, Ooh. very nice there. Wow. Well, there you go. That way, way to go, man. Congrats on, uh, on your new friend, Don and uh, <laughs> his, his wedding and marriage. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. Henry, how are you doing, man? How was vacation? Vacation was good, man. How am I going to follow Luke and the Don? You can't. You can't. <laughs> All I did was just go to Atlantic City and eat a lot. There you go. That that's a win. That, that's a win right there, though. Yeah, we, win, we, went, we went to um, Gordon Ramsay's Pub and Grill at Caesars. Uh, we also went to um, Guy Fieri's Chop Shop over in Bally's. Wow, impressive. Ooh, you ate well. You sure oh, did. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Well, as far as my weekend goes, I, I got to share this with, with everyone. So on one end, I want a little little credit. And then on the other end, I, I want to let you into the craziness that, that, that I experience at times. So last week, you know, a, a toilet is an important necessity in, in life, right? And, and the, the funny thing about toilets is over all these years, there little changes have been made to the toilet. And so what also what often happens is eventually it starts to run, it starts to leak, it starts to have trouble flushing, right? And so you can either hire a plumber or yeah. you could try to fix the toilet yourself. That's right. You could and, you well, could be the the five the five tool husband, utility husband. That, does it all. You better believe it. And and Jody's love language is uh acts of service and so, you know, this past week the the the, the toilet was it would flush and then it would not stop filling up. Mm. And so what I would have to do is I would have to take the top off and then uh, top of the toilet off and then flip the little, you know, the little lever up that, that's part of the, the fill fill valve and it would shut off. So we were good. But every time you flush, you would have to do that. And I was like, all right, over the weekend, I'll finally fix it. So I watched a couple of YouTube videos and the first couple of ones were like, nah, this isn't how this isn't the issue. I, I, I know I, I don't know what the issue is, but but I know it's something to do with the fill up pump, the fill valve, whatever you call it. And, and so there I am. I finally find the right video. And as I watched the video, there was a, a warning kind of, hey, make sure you do this. And I heard it and I go, yeah, that's all right. I'll figure it out. My mentality in life oftentimes is I, j- I just jump and then I kind of figure out what to do next. <laughs> and yep. so so here I am. I dive into fixing the toilet. And before I start. I, I wasn't able to turn off the, the, the water. And normally before you mess with the toilet, you're supposed to turn off the water. But, but I yeah. couldn't do it. For some reason, it wasn't working. Left, right, wasn't working. So I was like, all right, step. that's okay. So, so part of the, the issue that I learned by watching the video was that there was most likely a little bit of sediment in the water, and, and it was affecting the pump's ability to shut off. So it didn't know when to shut off because there was a little bit of sediment in there. Not that I could see, but part of it was allow what I needed to do was allow the water to come out and flush it out. So what I did, I popped off the top of the pump valve mm. and then the oh, water no. started shooting up. There was water 
everywhere. The bathroom was filling with water. I'm getting drenched. It's shooting. Oh open. no! The sediment <laughs> is coming out. The water is coming out. Now let me let me tell you this. Maddie is in the other room taking a nap. Now we get about one hour on a Saturday for oh, you know no. that that's, that's the, the the most you know time that I get uh, by myself, and so I'm spending it fixing the toilet, but but I have to be quiet. And so all of a sudden I go, sweetie, sweetie, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get Jody in, into the, the bathroom to try to help me figure out what's going on. <laughs> the top of the, the thing is off. Water is flying all over the walls. And so Jody's main concern is the fact that the walls are getting wet. And yeah. I'm, I'm concerned right. that I'm getting wet, That's that right. I can't shut off the water. So <laughs> the water is coming. I, I can't turn it off on the, on the main, you know, near the wall. That's mm-hmm. not left. And she's saying, well, turn it left. Uh, left doesn't work. Turn it right. Right doesn't work. Oh, no. And then she starts saying, well, why don't you just flush the toilet? And I'm thinking, I'm not going to flush the toilet. Why would I flush the toilet? There's water coming out. That's only going to make the water flow even more. So eventually, I have no other option. The water's yep. just flowing Gotta out. Got to go it's for flowing. the flush. It's flowing. So I finally flush it, and it works. Wow. It. So of it course not- it does. <laughs> so it stopped the water. And then I was able to pop the top back on because the problem was the water was coming out so fast that I couldn't re-switch it back in. So I had to switch it off and then switch it back in. Anyway, it's complicated. But but we were able to get it done. I got a little wet, but I fixed the toilet. It's now flushing properly. It is filling properly, and we are good to go. The, the, the water on the walls did dry. Is that there? And learn. Listen to the wife. So listen. So to I the have wife. a listen to the wife. I have a question though. What what is the post getting soaked by toilet water routine? Because <laughs> certainly no one has an affinity for toilet water, except if you're a dog. But that's right. So so how are you responding there? Is it a an all out sprint, one hundred yard dash to the shower, or are you are you kind of just soaking in the moment on, yeah. I'm husband. I just fixed this toilet. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of. I'm gonna kind of sit in my glory here. My, me being soaking wet is evidence of me being a five a five star husband fixing the toilet. Well, the the problem is, I did fix it. I fixed what the problem was. But since Jody got the she got the assist, so I couldn't Fair. take the full credit for it. Unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. but thankfully, no more in the middle of the night flushing the toilet by accident and then having to take the lid off in the middle of the night, which is always a disaster. So I did fix that issue, which, which was a good thing. Um, but I ended up changing my clothes right away. So yeah. I did not shower. I was okay. Uh, okay. And maybe I was a little dramatic with how wet I got. Maybe it was just a little splashing. I don't know. I don't know. You were there. I don't know. So, uh, so anyway, it was, uh, that was my uh, adventure from the weekend but let's uh let's jump into what we're convinced of today and i will start uh and and i I was able to watch my charlotte hornets yesterday on national tv espn sunday afternoon and the charlotte hornets dominated the the boston celtics and so i'm convinced miles bridges is a rising star in the nba his ability to dunk. He hit a, a three-pointer that was deep at the end of the third quarter. Uh, he has he is he's scoring 20 points every night. Uh, he's he's getting to the rim. He's grabbing rebounds. He is filling in for an injured Gordon Hayward and has been lighting it up. And so I, I'm thrilled with the development of his game. But the Charlotte Hornets won yesterday without Gordon Hayward, without LaMelo Ball, and they are playing so so well despite the injuries that they faced this year, and I'm convinced James Borrego should be this year's coach of the year. Give him the NBA coach of the year. 
I know Tom Thibodeau, which we'll talk about the Knicks in a little bit, he'll deserve some, some votes. But the development of these young pieces, the, the, the draft picks over the last few years, P.J. Washington, Ball was great before getting injured, and, and Bridges, they've taken the next step. Devontae Graham, I mean, these guys are playing really well, and so good for my Hornets. Uh, I'm convinced they're going to make the playoffs, and I'm con- convinced they're going to be a really tough out in that first round. Um, so there you go. I'm also convinced of this, keeping with my favorite teams. I'm convinced the Carolina Panthers do something big on Thursday night. They're going to make a big trade. They're going to make a big move. They're either going to trade down. They're going to trade up. They're going to draft a quarterback that slips, which then will lead to other dominoes uh, that will fall. And so it's going to be a, a wild Thursday night for Panthers fans. I've got my Panthers blue on today. Uh, I'm getting lunch with a, a former Panther, former first round pick. So I'm going to ask him about his, his draft uh, experiences over the years, but, uh, or when he, when he got drafted, but, but anyway, it's uh, I'm excited for Thursday. I'm excited for the Panthers. Uh, it's going to be a, a great NFL draft, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a moment. Luke, what are you convinced of today? Yeah. So we got the NFL draft this week and it reminds me of a take that I've had for a while. And it is that I'm convinced, on average, watching football is way better on your couch than being in person at the game. So, if it's you just are a, it's a football season, well, I'm, but as the draft, the draft is reminding me of this take from football season that I usually I, I carry with me, uh, very proud. Now, if you're listening and you are just infuriated by that take because you 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 are a guy that goes to every football game hey no problem i'm a homebody i love to sit on my couch with a drink with food relaxed kick the feet up i'm a big big recliner guy love <laughs> love the recliner with i've my, got a recliner yeah, my grandpa's recliner. recliner that's right i walk in i pop a seat right in the recliner because at a football game Especially if we're like going to Cowboys games or the big stadiums, I'm not forking over hundreds and hundreds of dollars usually to to get a, a, a good seat. Like I'll probably if I'm going to a game, I'm probably going to sit higher up. And you can't even see what's going on. I don't want to. I don't want to be binocular guy, and I don't want to <laughs> be just kind of sitting there socially. Like, like I want. I, at home on TV, I'm able to see replay. I'm able to see close. I can rewind. I can be on Twitter seeing what's going on with the action. And it's such a good experience for like being at home watching football games versus in the actual stadium. I'm, I'm just convinced it's a way better overall viewing experience. Whereas basketball or hockey, being you can be a lot closer. Hockey, huge rink. You can be close to the action. That's fun. Basketball, you can be closer. And that, that that can be more fun, but for for football games with ginormous hundred thousand people stadiums, yeah, I'd rather just sit at home and and just enjoy that experience. Well, you bring up a good point because now that that people that got into that rhythm of going to games will they be even more eager now that it was taken away to get back in, or will some of those those people that were so set on going every week to games you now having experienced the, this last season at home and the benefits of it? Will they go back? So what will fan, you know, fan attendance look like moving forward? It's going to be a fascinating thing to see. Uh, I know for me, I'm right there with you. I, I've got three TVs. So I go Red Zone, CBS, Fox. I, I, I love NFL Sundays. So 
I, I'm I'm right there with you. I've got a recliner and I'm I'm loving life. So uh, I enjoy going to a Thursday night or a Monday night football game when when the Panthers have a a national game. Those are fun. But but yeah, Sunday there's too much going on, and I think that speaks to why there's such an interest in the NFL draft as well. Because like I care about what the Panthers are going to do, but I care about the league because I watch the the yeah. whole NFL league. Yep. I watch every team play. Yep. From the red zone through through to national games. I keep up with all the teams through fantasy football. And so all of these decisions that will take place on Thursday night affect me in some way. Affect the the teams that that the Panthers will play. Affect who I draft in fantasy uh, and all that sort of thing. So, uh, But but, but by being home, I'm able to watch more. If I only go to one game, that's the difference. I I agree. So to your point, so for example, in college – of course, going to AM games, incredible atmosphere, environment. But as a freshman, when I'm pulling tickets, I mean, I am in the stratosphere. Like, I'm not even close to, to the gridiron. So it's like, I'm going to, I'm, first of all, I'm very fair skinned. So you're asking me to go sit up 3,000 feet above sea level and to just roast up there. And I can't even see the name on the back of a player's jersey. So. But And then when I'm a senior, I can get good tickets. But most of the time, I'd rather sit at home. Your point about the draft, we talked about this two years ago. And you said, and I agree 100%, the NBA is a transactional league. So the NBA, is it's, it's so fun to watch the, the trades, free agents, because that happens a lot. The NFL, way fewer transactions throughout the season. We get that at the draft. That's why I think mm. the draft, the NFL draft, has so much excitement because that's where big moves happen. Because you don't get the like the trade deadline in the NBA is always chaotic, but you don't really get that in the NFL. So the NFL draft is fans get to come out and w- the transactions are so exciting as a fan because yeah, you love seeing player movement, you love seeing teams change, and you really don't get that as much throughout the season like you get in the NBA. Yeah, no, I, I I think there will be a. We've already seen some, you know, with the 49ers making a move and even just setting uh, the Chiefs getting rid of, or the Ravens getting rid of an offensive lineman, Chiefs getting rid of a first round draft pick and, and multiple picks actually last week. So, yeah, we're already seeing the, the action happen. And I think day of, it'll definitely happen. So, uh, like I said, I think the Panthers will make a big move on, on Thursday, one way or another. All right. So, keep your uh, I'm convinced comments coming in. Let us know what you're convinced of today. Uh, leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, what you're convinced of. But right now, we got to jump into Unpack This, a uh, thought about sports, faith, and life. We send out a devotional uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday that you can subscribe to for free. Uh, it's the written version of Unpack This. But today on the podcast, you, you get to hear us discuss uh, a topic. And then also on Wednesdays, we do something called the Unpacked Lunch. Uh, that we'd love for you to to be a part of. Sports fans around the country, we gather together, basically over, uh, it's not Zoom, we use Google, but but uh, Google Meet, and and we uh, unpack sports, faith, and life for an hour during lunch. And, and so we'll, we'll un- unpack one of the Unpack This topics uh, every Wednesday as well. So I, I encourage you to, to join us on that. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. All right, so today what I want to unpack is the mistakes – that have taken place in the draft over the years. And 
the, the truth is, heading into Thursday, everybody's very hopeful and optimistic about their favorite team. If you're a GM, you're optimistic that this is going to be a great draft for your team. If you're a player hoping to get drafted, you're, you're optimistic that you're going to be drafted high and you're going to end up at a great team and you're going to have a, a successful career. But as we look back at the history of the NFL draft, we know that every year guys go to teams as bad situations. It ends up not working out. The quarterback's not the right fit. He's not ready. He's not prepared. He doesn't fit in with the, the with the coaching style, and so they 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 clash. And and maybe the player just wasn't as talented as anticipated. And so what ends up happening? We look back and we go, how did that GM make that mistake? And 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 man, why can the Detroit Lions not figure it out? Why can Jacksonville never seem to draft a quarterback? And and so what ends up happening is heading into this draft, despite the hope and optimism, there's also the negative mindset that pops in. So if you're Jacksonville, you're thinking, all right, in the past, we've drafted Blaine Gabbert and Blake Bortles. Those guys did not work out. So why would it work out with Trevor Lawrence? We're 0 for 2. So this one's going to be another mistake, right? And if you're the, the Chicago Bears, and you're thinking Ryan Pace traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky, which was not a good decision. Can, what, what kind of decision is he going to make on, on Thursday? And if you're kind of the, uh, the Detroit Lions, so they drafted Kenny Galladay, but remember their history of drafting wide receivers, and now Galladay's even gone. So they need to draft another receiver. Well, can you trust them to draft a wide receiver? And what about the New York Jets? Think about all the mistakes they've made over and over. Here's the deal. This Thursday, it's a new draft. The mistakes from the past can be lessons learned, and these, these teams and these GMs can, can look at what they've done in the past in ways that maybe they've, they've uh, processed decisions and, and make some changes so that this year's decisions end up being better decisions, better draft picks. And the, the fact that in recent years, the Alabama quarterbacks haven't been very good. That doesn't mean that Mac Jones can't be a great quarterback. Just because Ohio State quarterbacks have kind of fizzled out in, in recent years doesn't mean that Fields can't be a great quarterback in the NFL. He's his own guy. It's this year. It's something fresh. And so how does this translate to our own lives? Many of us have, you know, a, a history of, of mistakes, right? We've made mistakes throughout our life. Some of us have family history of, of mistakes. And so we can make the choice moving forward to continue down that same pattern of mistakes and, and tell ourselves the negative thinking, well, just because I drafted a bad quarterback in the past, I'm going to draft a bad quarterback now, right? Or just because I screwed up you know, years ago, I'm going to do that again. Or, or just because my, my parents we're alcoholics, then I'm going to be an alcoholic. Just because my parents got divorced, I'm going to get divorced. Just because this failure happened in the past, this failure is going to happen again. And the good news for us today, just like Thursday is its own draft, it's a new day, it's, it's, it's a, for many teams, it's a new regime. It's a new GM in place. And there's new coaches in place. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, and we begin to follow him, we now have a fresh start. The pattern of sin that we once were on, Jesus gives us the strength and the ability 
to head in the right direction now, that we don't have to continue to repeat the same history of mistakes. And just because we have a family history, just because of something we did five years ago, doesn't mean we have to do it again. As long as we're trusting him, as long as we're relying on him, as long as we're taking the necessary steps toward him and with him and and resting in his grace and forgiveness. And oftentimes, you know, GMs uh, live with the shame and the embarrassment of bad draft picks that failed in years past. And we can do that too. We can carry our shame and we can carry uh, the, 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 and think, man, I'm such a failure. I'm such a loser. I can't believe I did that. But Jesus says, no, I have given you grace. I have given you forgiveness. I love you. I want, I want to, 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 to spend eternity with you. And, and I want to help you along this path toward making better decisions, living a life according to, to, to my, to my will and according to, uh, the abundant life found in me. And so that's what Jesus is inviting us into. Uh, and so as we, uh, as we reflect on the failures in our own lives or the, the failures in the NFL, there is great hope. There is great hope in Jesus who offers us grace, who offers us forgiveness, and offers us that fresh start. And so let's, today, today's a new day. Today's a fresh start. So let's embrace that. Let's embrace all that Jesus has for us today. And, and let's go to uh, these verses in Second Peter. He writes, uh, And because of his, Jesus' glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Let me read that again. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So we can move past the old sins in our life. Sure, there are some consequences that that, that may carry on, but but we have have hope and forgiveness and grace that we don't have to repeat those. We don't have to repeat those those same uh, sins from the past. And we don't have to live in that shame any longer. We live in the freedom and the grace that Jesus provides. So you can unpack that today, live with confidence in Jesus, surrender to him, and and rest in that grace that that he offers us. Luke, what can you add for us today? How can you unpack that for us? Man, come on. That's a good word. That is a good word. Oh, I'm so fired up. I'm so encouraged hearing uh, you just talk about that. One, I just love that scripture you read. And two, it's just, I, we can never be reminded of that enough because like looking at myself, it is so, it's so easy to get caught up in how we're viewed by the world's eyes and forget the grace, the overwhelming grace we've been given. Like Romans eight, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that can take me away from the Father through Christ. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter how if how the world sees me. I know 
that God sees me and he sees Christ mm-hmm. because my faith in Christ gives me that relationship with God. I, there is no condemnation because I am safe, safely secure in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.14, I'm not under the law, but under grace. Like this whole idea of I'm under grace. Um, but it's hard because the world, it, it, it's so easy to like, oh, but you did that. Oh, but but I saw you do that 10 years ago. Oh, but you used to live, live like this. Like, what are you saying? It's so easy to get caught up in like, we could either be in shame and, oh my gosh, you know, I did do that. Oh man, like, you know, you're right. Like, how could God possibly love me? Or man, am I, am I, maybe I'm not good enough for God because, and, and just to hear that judgment and, and people pointing out the things we've done, but there is no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt. And of course I say that with sympathy because it's hard. And even for myself, it's like overcoming guilt and shame for past mistakes and sins is hard. Like, I'm still working through that for past sins. Like, there's still days where I feel incredibly shameful and guilty, and I'm like, man, I can't believe I did that. Like, man, I was just so dumb, so whatever, whatever it is. And there's some days I don't believe it in my heart. I just have to tell myself, all right, I'm not feeling it. Maybe I'm not believing it, but I know there's no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus. And, yeah, there's a new day. Like, there's, of course, sin has consequences, but we're not bound to con- to live in ways we always did. Like, we're not bound by those. God's grace transforms us, renews our mind, like Romans 12. Like, He transforms us to make Him more like the Son until we reach heaven. And it's very encouraging message, because there's always hope. If you're in Christ, there is hope. Uh, so, yeah. That's right. And, and yeah, today can be different. And, and just, you know, even if we screwed, o- screwed up over the weekend, today is a new day and a fresh start for us in, in Christ. And, and just like Thursday, the next draft pick for Jacksonville can be the one. Trevor Lawrence can be the one Jacksonville quarterback that they take in the top 10 that does work out. Like, that's possible. It doesn't have to be another Blaine Gabbert and Blake Bortles situation. And, and so that same with the Jets, same with the Bears, same with the Lions, teams that, you know, over the years have, have made mistakes uh, consistently. This year can be different. It does not have to be the same. And they can learn from the mistakes of the past regime, just like we learn from, from family mistakes that, that, that were made and, and kind of the history that we've uh, maybe come from or seen. But, but we can learn from that and, and move forward uh, with hope and confidence and, and grace. So that's the message for us today. Uh, that devotional will go out through email uh, a little bit later, so you can sign up and subscribe on unpackingit.com. All right, Luke, Luke, let's talk a little more NFL draft. And, and here's my kind of big, big thought going in to this, this Thursday's draft. What are the domino effects? How will the decisions made on Thursday affect the current players on rosters? So, uh, again, I look at it through a lens of fantasy football and, and and wondering, okay, if San Francisco truly does draft a quarterback, what does that mean for Jimmy Garoppolo? What does that end up meaning for the New England Patriots, right? And if they end up getting Jimmy G, like that's still floating out there. The Buffalo Bills, they had such inconsistency at the running back position. How early will they draft the running back? And what does that mean for their current running backs? Do they move on from those guys? What if the Panthers actually drafted a quarterback? If, if, if Fields slips to 
the Panthers and they draft him, what does that mean for Sam Darnold? What does that mean for Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, the Broncos, I think there's a lot of domino effects based on what happens before they pick and how that affects Drew Locke and how that affects kind of their plan going forward. Uh, the Bears, can the Bears find a way to get a quarterback? And, and what does that do to Andy Dalton and Nick Foles? Uh, do they maybe give the Bears uh, another weapon? And maybe Andy Dalton actually plays better in Chicago uh, with a consistent running game with David Montgomery and then maybe an added weapon. Uh, Atlanta, if Atlanta drafts a quarterback, what does that mean for Matt Ryan? Does he ride it out this year? Or would there be a scenario where they trade Matt Ryan this year? If you trade Matt Ryan, why would you keep Julio Jones? Or do you give the, the young quarterback a weapon in, in Julio Jones and, of course, Calvin Ridley. So, so many dominoes uh, could could cut, you know, fall down based on these decisions, even just within the top 10. Uh, so I'm fascinated by that. And then also, as we look back and, and kind of a question for our listeners today, what are some of your favorite draft moments in history? Some of the craziest moments, some of the craziest surprising draft picks. What do you remember? Even from recent years, what jumps out to you? What are some of those those favorite moments. Uh, and so for, for you, uh, Luke, what are your thoughts heading into Thursday? And as you look back, what are some of your favorite moments from over the years? Yeah. Uh, the NFL draft, like, like I was saying earlier is, is so exciting because as fans, we love, we love when, uh, moving pieces. Um, certainly there was a run, uh, maybe around a decade ago where, where the Cowboys got really hot drafting linemen and built an incredible offensive line. Uh, certainly one of the drafting woes for Dallas that I wish I did not have to remember was spending a first-round pick on Ezekiel Elliott when Jalen Ramsey was there. Zeke uh, is evidence. I, I think I'm on board with not drafting a running back in the first round, but I digress. Oh, yeah, don't. Don't do it. Don't do um, it. Panthers no, did it with McCaffrey, but still yeah. it's like where are all the playoff wins, right? Yeah, I know. That's, that's what it comes Absolutely. down to. There is some crazy um, – I was, I was reading an article this morning of just crazy things that went on in the draft. I think a long time ago, I forget which team, but there was it was near the end of the draft, and there was no talent left, basically. So they drafted John Wayne, the, <laughs> the actor. They drafted John <laughs> Wayne from Apache State or something. That's what they said. Um, I, I, I just think that's hilarious. I'm sure it got some backlash. but um, And then I think what's fascinating is you look at back at – when Eli Manning refusing to go to San Diego, but then San Diego already having Drew Brees and then bringing in Phillip Rivers. I'm sure that was interesting. And then um, yep. uh, Bo Jackson refusing to go to Tampa and saying, you know what? I think I'm going to go play baseball because he was mad at the Buccaneers for taking him on a trip and he lost his last season of baseball in college at Auburn. So he's like, yeah, I'm not going to go play for Tampa. And then Oakland drafted him in the seventh round the next year. Seventh round for Bo Jackson. Oh Can you believe that? So looking back, awesome. there's just there's fascinating uh, draft stories. But uh, I'll, I'll toss the question back to you. But you have uh, more years under your belt of NFL draft stuff. And I know you and your uncles are just NFL draft junkies. So I'm sure you got a, <laughs> an endless encyclopedia of, of memories. Yeah, I mean, I always so I'm I'm a quarterback guy, I'm a fantasy guy, and so I'm always keeping an eye on the quarterbacks. And, and I think over the years, there there have been so many guys where you just go, wait, 
why are you drafting that quarterback? Like, why do you think he's going to be, be the one? Um, and, and I'll say sometimes I'm, I'm wrong because uh, Josh Allen with Buffalo would be one of those guys. Like, yeah. And, and I think, I think Blaine Gabbert was probably that guy. So maybe I got that one, that one, right. But it's always, and Blake Bortles. Like I was, I wasn't in on those, those guys either. Were you and, in on, were you in on Jake Locker over Blaine Gabbert? Because that there, I was reading about that this morning. Um, the same draft, Blaine Gabbert was potentially no. going to be the better quarterback than Cam Newton, is what some guys are saying. And then Tennessee spent a high draft pick on Locker. Yeah, I don't think I was because remember he went back to Washington and didn't have as good of a year because he had a lot more hype the, the year before. And that to me is very concerning when a guy goes back to school and and doesn't play very well. Uh, the the one big memory for me with with the draft is. I really wanted the Carolina Panthers to draft Andrew Luck. And, and so they, the Panthers had the number one pick in, oh, what was that, 2011, 2012? Yeah, 2011. Um, is that right? 20, 2011. Whenever they drafted Cam Newton. But I wanted, I wanted Luck. And then he decided to go back to Stanford. Mm-hmm. And I loved Cam Newton at Auburn. But oh, yeah. I still thought Luck was like the can't miss guy and so I was really bummed when he announced that he was returning but then I got excited about about Cam and it, it ended up you know working out great for the Panthers went to a Super Bowl and so that was a uh, a special time um for for the Panthers but uh, but but as far as a couple other kind of I guess what do you value as a fan watching the draft so I, so if you're listening today what do you value like what do you what what philosophy do you buy in when you're thinking for your team so when you're encouraging your team to make a draft pick, what what do you think? And so one of the things for me, I actually love when a team drafts an, drafts offensive linemen. Yeah, I think offensive linemen early, like in the top ten pick, those guys are trustworthy. Those guys pan out, and 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 I I, I don't think you have to reach for linemen. I think you let linemen fall to you. And, and, and you're good to go. You take a guy from Iowa, you're good to go. Like you, you take some of the, <laughs> you know, the, the guys that, that just the size, the blue blood schools that, that produce offensive linemen, you, you can feel pretty good about that. One other thing that I, I, I have noticed in recent years is teams drafting quarterbacks that do not deserve to be drafted in the first round. Yeah. And I think this is a huge mistake being made consistently. Because we've seen over the years, great quarterbacks can be found late in the draft. And the reason that they thrive later in the draft is because, one, teams spend those draft picks earlier getting offensive linemen, you know, getting players that are actually worthy of a first-round pick or a second-round pick. And then you get a guy that, that maybe doesn't have the size, like, like Russell Wilson. And he slips a little bit. You go, well, maybe we'll see how that size translates. But you you recognize the intangibles and you recognize, you know, the leadership ability and and, and still what he accomplished at, at NC State and Wisconsin. And you go, yeah, he's worth a third rounder. And then you build around him. You don't have to pay him as much. He doesn't he doesn't make the, the first round money. And, and what happens is now lately teams are trading in to take top 10 quarterbacks that aren't worthy like. Trey Lance could end up being the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah, it could happen. But to me, I'm not spending a top ten pick on him because yeah, no we haven't seen enough from him. He's he's from a smaller school, and I love small schools. Go App State used to be an FCS level school, but those guys they may need a little bit of time. 
and, and they didn't even play a full season last year. I'm not taking him in the top 10, but he's probably going to go in the top 10. And I think it's a disservice to him. It's a disservice to the team when teams force, oh, we got to take a, a quarterback in the first round, in the top 10 picks because he's not going to be available later. Well, ask Baltimore. They let Lamar Jackson slip to them. And, and, and again, they, they didn't have to pay him as much as a top 10 quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and they're a solid team. They were a quality team ready to win. Yeah. And that's the kind of guy that you can plug in. And now all of a sudden you're a playoff team. Now they got to win some playoff games. That's another story. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of all over the place, but the, but that, the, the win now mentality, there. the win now mentality is, is has fully infiltrated the minds of front office guys and franchises. When now I'm going to have to, to burn an early pick on a quarterback, which like yeah, you to look, me, that's like, a lie. It's a, like it's it's a, a 50%, yeah. it's a 50% chance they fail. My, my thing is I struggle to, to navigate drafting need versus best player available. Great because, point. So that, that's really hard. For me, I tend to gravitate towards, as a Cowboys fan, can we please just fill need? So last year, C.D. Lamb slips to Dallas, which C.D. Lamb certainly the best player available at the time but man like and, and he's been good like he's been very good it's it's end up being a good draft pick but at the moment i'm thinking guys every year we talk about we need defensive backs every year it's yeah but the cowboys defense yeah Dak's good oh but but the cowboys defense i'm like can we just fill the need in this year everyone all the local radio guys are saying we have to draft cornerback we have to draft defensive backs but then the conversation is but if Kyle Pitts slips to 10 do you take him it's so hard because a lot of guys are thinking Kyle Pitts is a juggernaut he's he's an he's an he's a generational type talent but man the Cowboys have such greater needs than tight end so I struggle I struggle to navigate that because I'm in desperation for like obvious they're not just like yeah we could use a corner it is a obvious need to patch up the defensive backs in the Dallas Cowboys but I have no confidence that they're going to actually do it if a player (laughs) falls that's higher on the draft board but not at a must change position no it's it's a it's a great debate and and I think as fans we uh yeah we sometimes some years we want our, our team to, to fill needs and other years we, we do like the best player available. Uh, the athletic put together a an, an article with a bunch of research and formulas that that took the draft since 1966 and figured out how many times teams took the best player available. Now this was kind of based on how their careers ended up, I believe. But what's interesting is the Steelers, Colts, Patriots. Cowboys and Ravens had the most best players available. Isn't that, isn't that mm. interesting? Now those are wow. top franchises. Those are the, those are the franchises that, that and, and Steelers, of course, when you say, Hey, what's the best franchise in the NFL? I think for the longest time, it has been the Steelers and they have the best players available. That's who they, mm. that's who they take. Um, and they find those steals later in the draft and they've done a great job consistently uh, in doing that. And I think that says that says a lot about them. So anyway, that's interesting you brought that up because I, I did yeah. see a little bit of that that research. Um, and and I probably lean toward taking the best player available. And it goes back to my point: where don't force taking a position in like just because you need a quarterback 
if a if a quarterback is not worthy of fair, the third fair. pick, very fair. do not take him with the third pick. I agree. And maybe you have to wait another year to draft that quarterback, and that that might be the case. But 100%. to me, there are guys that you can find later in the draft. Your boy Tony Romo, my That's boy right. Jake Malone. Jake, <laughs> Jake Delome counter. That's right. He continues. The streak <laughs> continues. You you don't have to find those guys. They can be undrafted free agents. They can be Kurt Warner. Th- those guys are out there now. It's almost like it's a roll of the dice either way. Now, when you have the first first pick and you you, you draft guys like John Elway and Peyton Manning and and you know the clear cut guys, yeah, that that's that's nice. But I'm not sure that Trevor Lawrence is as clear cut as as some people believe. Um, and and part of my thinking on that is we we put a lot of emphasis on the winning that takes place in in college but the reality is it doesn't always translate not and i brought this up yep. i brought this up last week but but a lot of the winning quarterbacks from oklahoma and clemson and ohio state and uh you know these consistent winners over the years they don't always translate now again back to my point earlier just because you failed in the past doesn't mean that you had to fail this time <laughs> fair, around very but but i think you you look at some of the uh, you know, the, 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 you can factor in the history to to predict what could what could happen. Um, and I'm not so sure just because Trevor Lawrence won a ton of games that 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 means oh yeah, right. well he's going to be a winner in the NFL. Now he's got a lot of the skill sets and and the the measurables and the immeasurables for that that matter that could help him translate. Um, but I think oftentimes you know we look we overlooked a guy like Justin Herbert. Last year, he was the most impressive quarterback. Oh my god! And we let not him kind of, yeah. You know, he he just he was he was overlooked because he wasn't winning as many games. Yeah, you got to look at the context in the uh, in the the national conscience, yeah. uh, consciousness, conscience, consciousness uh, from national media and fans, right? So yeah. no, I, those no, kind of guys are available. It's the, it's the context because yes, say someone's a, a a clear winner in college. Okay, but what's feeding into that? Is it system? Is it talent yep. around? Oh, is it is it is it the level of teams you're playing? I and also how are they winning as an NFL franchise? Are you going to change your offense to suit the offense of the collegiate player, or are you going to draft a guy that has experience running your style of offense? Like like context matters a lot. So I will go back to your point. I agree with you regarding how you're looking at the best player. Because this year, for example, I was listening to the radio. There's, I think, two tight ends and that's rated as top 100 players. This year's certainly not a draft to reach for a tight end. If tight end's a need, don't reach for one. You can find one in another year. Or uh, just go sign a veteran that can come in and, and fill the gap for before you draft one in the later draft, potentially. Um, but if, for the Cowboys... Like Henry was saying, Patrick Sertain from Alabama is mocked to Dallas. And But if Kyle Pitts fell to 10, Kyle Pitts is rated ahead of Sertain. But man, I'm going to go DB every time there, even though Kyle Pitts is rated ahead. You're buying into Schultz? Tight uh, end? So, so, uh, it's no, gonna be. Uh, I don't need your break. I don't need your breakdown of of uh, what's his name, Dalton Schultz. Dalton what? Schultz. Damon Good Schultz. Enough. Good Damon? enough. Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz. 
Yeah, good enough. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be production by association. It's they gonna be. It's gonna be a group effort for Dow, Dow Cowboys tight ends. Your Cowboys do not need a tight end that, that catches. They need a tight end that blocks. They got three weapons that are elite receivers. Potentially, one hundred. All three of them. Yeah, got to patch up the D. Patch up the defense. That's it. Yeah, so you got you got to go corner on that one. I'm I'm with you. And so I, I keep going back and forth on on the, the the Panthers between offensive line and corner. Um, I, the other day I said corner. Today I feel like offensive line. So it, to me, it's like best available at one of those two positions uh, at the eight spot. But if Justin Fields slips to eight, if I'm the Panthers, I take him. I, yeah. I would take Fields at eight. I think that would be a value pick uh, with, with what he's what he projects to do. And again. Oh, Ohio State quarterbacks are never good. He could be different. We can't just base it on that. Uh, but I think it, it works for and against when when you think about what Ohio State quarterbacks have have done in the past. Um, on on one end, you go, yeah, just because they win all the time and their quarterbacks are are on you know national TV and playing in in the college football playoff, we're aware of them. They put up big numbers, but they don't always have it. They don't always have it on the next level. Um, but I think Fields, we have to look at just as Fields, and I think he's got a lot of talent. I think in, in today's NFL, he really does fit it, and, and it fit it, it, to me better than Dwayne Haskins and what he showed at Ohio State. Um, and so, anyway, I, I I I would be fine with Fields at, at eight. Um, all right, anybody else listening today? What are your thoughts on your favorite team? What do you think about teams trading up to get quarterbacks, reaching for quarterbacks? Is it worth it? Uh, let us know your comments, uh, and we'll post some of those. Uh, if if we uh, if we like it, it makes sense. We'll uh, we'll throw it up on the screen for those watching. <laughs> Earn uh, your right Facebook for your comment YouTube. to be posted. That's what we're saying. Earn your right. That's, <laughs> that's right. For those of you listening listening to the podcast later, uh, you got to go. You got to go watch the video on YouTube uh, or on Facebook, and uh, you can see some of the other the other comments. All right, let's uh, let's make sure that we uh, we jump in with tap drill. Uh, so each week we will wrap up the show with some of the fun topics surrounding the sports world. But uh, there you go on the NFL draft next Monday. We will recap some of the the trades, the big picks, the dominoes that will fall based on what teams will do. At this point, I never buy into the hype. Last week I, I wrote about the smoke screens. The reality is there's so many lies and rumors being swirled around. You know, teams saying they're going to draft this guy or draft that guy. It's just not true. And then we get all excited as fans or we get upset as fans. Uh, but there will be so many surprises. And that's why we love the draft. That's what will be fun. We, we, we cling so tightly to these mock drafts that uh, end up being so wrong. What, what is it? Like four picks end up being right every year from the mock drafts because one trade changes everything. Yeah. One team's going to jump into the top 10, I promise. And it's going to change everything. So uh, I know the I know some people have fun with the mock drafts like Luke does, uh, but I'm kind of I'm kind of anti mock draft guy. I just like talking about the the bigger picture stuff. So sorry, Luke. All right, let's do uh, let's do that. Go ahead, Luke. Bryce, Bryce is big picture guy. I'm big picture guy. Big picture guy. Hey, all right, let's uh, let's do tap drill. And uh, sorry to uh, to squelch the fun uh, for for mock draft guy. But uh, this is Mel Kuyper's uh, 7.7. Uh, look what we're going to do. The 10th pick, I think there's going to be a trade. I got I'll like the middle on my lip trying to do that. How, how is Mel Kuyper? Mel Kuyper has to be doing just for men brunette because doing six, seven, eight editions of a mock draft has to be 
so exhausting. Oh my god! This gosh. is what he lives and breathes. That's true. This is all, his whole life. This is who That's he true. is. It's just He's like I, he lives. But imagine living in a constant state of speculation. Your entire life is constant speculation. It just has to be exhausting. But hey, he gets yeah. paid the he gets paid the big bucks. People pay well, him for yeah, speculation. Agents and teams are feeding him lies, and they expect him to tell those lies. Like he's the communicator, he's the messenger of the lies. Mel That's Kiefer, right. was, the messenger of lies. I was I, I was reading an article. I think it was Willis McGahee blew out his knee last year at Miami, and his agent was on video faking phone calls talking to teams to try to trick teams that like people oh were really gosh. interested in them. And I forget which team bought it, but spent a pretty, pretty early draft pick on him. It's oh, the shenanigans. The shenanigans. You know what that just reminds me of? I need to watch draft day this week. Do you like that movie? Kevin Cosner, Jennifer Gardner. Great movie. Never I love it. it. What? Luke, <laughs> what do you mean you've never seen it? You go see that this, this week. Okay. I saw that movie in the theater. That's a great oh, movie. Okay. An OG. I may have already told this story, but I'll tell it again. I, I've, in my whole life, I've very rarely ever gone to like a daytime movie other than like the weekend uh, or like a holiday or something. But for draft day, me and my buddy took a long lunch and went and saw draft day. And it was great in the middle of the day. It was like a 12 o'clock showing and it was awesome. So <laughs> that's, my, that's my one movie that I've ever, I've ever done that with. Okay. So there you go. All right, let's say hello to Henry Bienamine. Uh, feeding us all the stats and information today. And now the host of Tap Drill, our new segment here on Unpacking It, week number three. Henry, take it away. All right, boys. One, one other thing before we get into Tap Drill. I also saw draft day, and I'm not going to give the title away, but the last, the last five minutes, five to ten minutes of the movie makes the whole movie. I'm sold. I'm bought in. Do it. All right, boy. it, all Kevin right, boys. should be enough for you to go watch it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fair. Absolutely. All right, let's get into let's get into tap drill and staying on the NFL draft. Uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell says that when he is in Cleveland, he is bringing back hugging, saying that <laughs> hugging the draft picks. He says that he is fully vaccinated and he is he is open to once again hugging the draft picks when they get announced. Okay. So my question to you boys, are you guys huggers? Bring it in for the real thing. <laughs> this, this is a fascinating uh, storyline heading into the draft because how many of the players will go, whoa, 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 I, I'm no longer a hugger. You know, we got the Rona floating around. I'm not taking any chances. I don't want the hug. So then does Goodell come in for the real thing? And then the, the player true. pulls back. Does he kind of do the dab? And then, I mean, we're going we're gonna to see some very awkward situations with these draft picks because in years you know, prior – Everybody just you know brought it in for the real thing, and that was it. Um, but to, sorry, to answer your question, Henry, uh, I am a hugger. I am normally a hugger. Um, you know, the Rona has has you know made me pause a little bit here and there, but uh, I I am. Hey, let's both arms out. I can do the man hug. I I can be cool. I can be hip. But I'm old school. I, I want a full embrace. Let's go, Luke. All in for it. All in for <laughs> it. And that because. If you talk to any of my buddies, I'm just big physical touch guy. That's that. That's the love language I give. That's the love language I receive. Always one for a grab on the shoulder, a hug, dap up. I mean, if I'm Goodell, I'm tossing everyone a hug. Um, <laughs> but I'm surprised. I'm surprised Goodell is welcoming that. 
there was a clip of him and Don Terry Poe a long time ago of the incredibly uncomfortable video of them hugging and like oh. almost touching noses. It was, uh, <laughs> like, was that the one where he kind of picked them up off the ground? Yeah, and it's like it's like the noses are an inch apart. I'm like, ah, oh, you can't, can't get that noses. close to the note. Yeah, can't touch noses. But I'm all, I'm all for bringing back hugs. What one other concern with the hug is the the ear touch. When, when you when you when you rub ears with a guy, that's my nightmare. That's my nightmare because do you even address that you just touched ears, or or do you just kind of move on from that? Because because that's a disaster. Gingerly touching ears is not a great thing. I, I promise. So, well, so here's the thing. As a viewer, I I need them to have an all or nothing mentality. Like if they're gonna hug, man, hug. Like get a good hug, but a gingerly kind of going in, maybe a soft side hug, maybe both are kind of a little weird to go in. That's going to be so cringe to watch. So but, I, see, I need they, an all or nothing. You got to go all in, but you also have to know. So if you're Goodell, you're going left the whole night or you're going right the whole night because <laughs> when you start doing the bob and, and you don't know what head and then all of a sudden you both <laughs> go straight on, That's right. then you get the nose touches. There has to be so, communication. It works. That's right. There's nothing worse than not knowing how you're greeting someone. So are you going in for the hug? Because then you kind of go, you're not sure your arms are flying, or do you go in for the handshake? But then it goes a knuckle touch back to handshake. It's it's brutal. There has to be a clear stream of communication. On you walk on stage, you either you give me the sign, you you scratch your forehead, it means hug. You uh go you go shoulder, it means oh, we're not touching. We need we need some communication for the sake of yeah. the viewers' sanity. And and almost maybe maybe Trevor Lawrence first pick of the draft. You set the tone. Whatever you do, everybody must follow. Oh, he's not even going to be there. So now we got to so yeah, theory out there. Come on, Trevor, you're being selfish. We need you to set the tone. Maybe Go we ahead. need the apps. We need the App State uh, baseball third base coach to throw some signs up to let That's us know right. when we're, That's right. when we're, That's when we're uh, hugging or not. All right, second it. topic. Second topic, staying in the NFL, ESPN will reportedly maintain the Monday night football booth with Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick for the 21 season. What do you guys think of that? So it's a, that's, that's my response. So I love Steve Levy. Steve Levy is a sports center legend. When I grew legend. up watching yep. sports center, you know, of course it was Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann, Stuart Scott, Rich Eisen. Those were my guys. But Steve Levy was in that mix. He was a He's part good. of that. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I like Steve Levy. I think he does a great job as the play-by-play guy. Lewis Riddick, I think, is an excellent NFL analyst. I think his insight, yep. I think his demeanor, I think he's fantastic. Brian Greasy, I don't – he's not bringing enough. He's, he's too vanilla, and he just doesn't – he doesn't bring enough weight to the booth. Uh, his, his opinions don't matter. He, he doesn't do enough on, on ESPN to, like, even have, like, uh, I don't know, enough of a following. Um, he's not, he doesn't have the personality of a John Gruden. So I think that that booth is missing a personality. Monday Night Football needs a little pizzazz. It needs a little something. You know, yeah. uh, Jason Witten wasn't the answer. Oh, Booger McFarland. <laughs> I mean, so, so we can't have those two guys. So we did, we did improve oh from those two. Oh, my gosh. But, but I still don't think Brian Greasy is the answer. Oh, I, for at this point, I don't care who's in the booth. <laughs> I am so happy to move on from the Jason Witten Booger McFarlane one-two punch. That oh. was trash can. Like, was poor tough. Jason Witten retires 
then to go play mir- again. Then miraculously, miraculously, has hair. Like he shows up in the booth, and it's like he's like the number one Bosley client of all time. Like, dude, you have grown wow. hair. Obviously, it's fake. But then he goes and plays again, bald immediately. But yeah, him, him, the one-two punch between Booger and Jason was just, oh, it was just so I, not the I, answer. It was, it was team. I was team mute. Like throwing team it on mute. mute. Yeah, throw it on mute. Yeah. Let me listen to the local guys. But for the sake of Jason Witten's reputation, glad he's out of there. Give me anyone. Give me anyone. Now he's coaching high school sports, which I love. That oh, he I love that. He's going to be such a great high school coach. Yeah. All right, Henry. Well. Personally, as a Giants fan, I'm opposed to anything Dallas Cowboys show. <laughs> hey, I can tip my cap to that. <laughs> well, it's all like, right, it's like the Cowboys have all the broadcasting jobs in the NFL, just like Duke has all the college basketball jobs. That's right. Hey, you want to be a broadcaster? Go play for the Cowboys, man. <laughs> that's it. You get a chance. Switching gears to the NBA, my New York Knicks have reeled off nine in a row and are currently sitting fourth in the Eastern Conference standings. LeBron James recently said that the NBA is good when the Knicks are good. The NBA is better when the Knicks are good. Now, I personally agree with that. What do you guys think? Absolutely. So I, so I grew up in the 90s when the Knicks were relevant. The Pat Riley, Jeff Van Gundy, Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Anthony Mason, oh, yeah. Charles Oakley, Charles Smith. Oh, yeah. I know them all, baby. Those guys were, those guys were fun. And when it came to the Knicks or the Heat, I always sided with the Knicks. So uh, I enjoyed watching them. I've been to Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament, uh, but love that arena. And when that place is rocking and the Knicks are doing well, it's fun for the NBA. So I would rather the Knicks be good and relevant versus being irrelevant and not not any good. Uh, Also, I'm a huge fan of Julius Randle. He has carried my fantasy basketball team into the Final Four, and I got him for a steal. So go, Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett is a former Dukey. He's playing well. Let's go. So, uh, so I'm on the I'm on the bandwagon. But I, I do hope the the Hornets knock them out uh, if they if they play each other in the playoffs. How about that? Uh, so I'll first respond with shouting out Caden Smith, tight end for the New York Giants. Uh, my one of my groomsmen is really good pals with him, so had to shout out Caden Smith. Solid Not blocking one of tight end with, with your fake uh, wedding <laughs> no, over the weekend. No, 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 no. Not the Don who I was a groomsman for yesterday. Oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but so I I haven't even experienced the Knicks being a relevant basketball team in my uh, my youthful days, but I love it. I mean, I grew up hearing every even Zion recent comment: New York, the mecca of basketball. I'm like, can I see this in live action? Because it's been <laughs> trash can basketball for my entire life. So I am, I, I'm convinced. Like, I, I, I want to see Francis. I, 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 maybe oh, I was before my my uh, having having NBA perspective. But uh, I love when the Knicks are good, just because of the history there. And I am very excited. And then Julius Randle, a, a Dallas great, Dallas's own. Love seeing him. His development has been. Unbelievable. So Unbelievable. all in on the Knicks having a great team. I love it. Julius Randle is uh, in line to be in the NBA, in the NBA MVP conversation. Coach Tibbs is in line for the coach of the year. Love Tibbs. And, and uh, RJ Barrett was picked number three in the draft right behind Zion Williamson and John Morant. 
What a draft that is. Wow. I'm watching the documentary on the 1996 NBA draft. Uh, NBA TV has been doing that. Uh, I I watched episode one. I'm I'm catching up on episode two. However, I think that draft with those three guys, they're on their way to being a a, a top top draft class for sure. Is Is 96 Vince Carter? No, that's Kobe, Steve Nash, Iverson, Ray Allen, yep. Marcus gotcha. Camby. Yeah, that that, and then 2003 with Wade Bosch, LeBron, all them. Great yep. drafts. 98 with Dirk. Come on now. Shout out. <laughs> Paul Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last one, Henry. Last tap drill. Let's go. Last tap. Uh, the Oscars were this weekend, and keeping it with sports, uh, Kevin Durant and Mike Conley actually got an Oscar because they were – the executive producers on a movie, a live movie called Two Distant Strangers that got an Academy Award for Best Live Movie, Best Live Video. Are you guys Oscar kind of guys? Are you red carpet guys? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Come on, Bryce. You got to be. Oh, my gosh. I'm a red carpet guy, but I'm definitely not an uh, an Oscars guy. Do you need to know who is wearing who? That's not no, I definitely don't need that. Uh, Bryce is a big red carpet guy. Man, when I had to roll out the red carpet every time Bryce came into work, I'd get in an hour early, clean, <laughs> clean his desk, roll the red carpet out. So, Mr. Johnson, I'm ready for you. Luke, my former intern. Yeah, when I would pull out of the limo, have, <laughs> red, right. have the red carpet ready to go. You better That's believe right. it. Um, so I, I enjoy movies and TV, but I must say, In the last few years, I have gone more toward TV than movies. That my choice on the weekends, uh, if we're going to, you know, my wife and I, Jody, hang out and watch something, I would rather watch movies. I watch The Blacklist and Manifest. Those two shows are better than any movie going on right now. You may laugh, oh, network television. No, it's tremendous. So these Oscar movies, I just don't buy into them. Every once in a while, some of the winning winning, uh, movies – I'll check out and, oh, okay, yeah, I understand why that was pretty good. But for the most part, they don't draw me in. And then if I do watch them, I go, eh, these are these are not not worth the hype. So I'm on a different wavelength from what I enjoy and, and, and you know, my entertainment standards, I guess, are, are different than what the Oscars uh, celebrate. Uh, so growing up, I loved – well, I'm just – I never grew up playing in much video games, so – I could sit in front of the TV all day, though. So award shows, game shows, uh, anything on the TV I loved. Now they, I feel like award shows have just regressed so significantly that they're just unwatchable. Like, even the ESPYs has just regressed. Like, I, like it was enjoyable when, when, like when you get guys like Peyton Manning up there, but now it's just you get a guy up there or a girl, and they're hosting, and they're trying to like playfully roast the people there, and it's like... The jokes aren't funny. They're incredibly politically charged, and like, ah, like, let's get some award. I like enjoy reading about it, but not anymore. As an aside, I think it's cool that players are getting into this realm. Whereas, so my example is JJ Reddick has a podcast, and the back. it's so good, so good, the, so good. The old man and the three. But what's what's great about that is. Not better than this one, but it, it of is course close not. Yeah, not, it's we are second to none. Yep, and that's a <laughs> humble brag. Um, I love JJ, man. He's one of my favorite Dukies ever. But because go on. it's it's fascinating because he is his own media now. So yeah. when he was traded to the Mavericks, 
I didn't re- read what ESPN said about it. I read what he, I watched what he said about it. He went through the whole trade process. I'm asking for him asking for a trade. Him talking about family going to the Maz, and he is his own mouthpiece for what is going on, which is fascinating. And it, it's such a great pod, and he gets NBA players on it. But anyway, it's fascinating that he's kind of leading this charge of being his own media and his own voice. Um, which is fascinating, but yes, the regression of of award shows has uh, has turned me away. So I guess your point is that guys are getting involved in other media, so movies, so Kevin Durant, Mike Conley, yeah, yeah. pretty cool that they've yes. you know thrown their name on on a on a movie that that yeah, won an cool. Oscar. And and, and, Co- and Kobe, I, I think Kobe kind of led that charge a little bit. Kobe Definitely. got really involved with that and was really it was really awesome. But, as a, but to as me, a matter of, go ahead, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead Bryce. No, what well, I was going to say is that go ahead. Well, Kobe was actually like the writer and actually put put it together. Uh, Kevin Durant and Conley, I imagine they just kind of put their name and money behind it. Sorry, Henry. No, no I was going to say exactly. Um, Kobe Bryant was the first uh, first athlete to get an Academy Award for Dear Basketball. That's right. Tremendous. I love it. I love it. All right, Henry. Great job on Tap Drill. Appreciate it, man. Luke, awesome show. Great to be with you guys. Thanks to all of our listeners today. This has been the Unpacking It live podcast. Thursday, we should be dropping a guest podcast as well. Uh, I was supposed to have it last week, so hopefully they reschedule. So I won't even announce it until you'll, you'll see it drop. But make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and you can listen to both the live show and any of our guest interviews as well. But as always, I wrap things up by reminding you I'm Bryce, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you will join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have an awesome week. I hope you are encouraged by Unpack This, that we can live in the grace of Jesus, that regardless of what we've done in the past, regardless of the mistakes that we even made this weekend, today is a new day. We have hope. We have grace. He welcomes us with open arms. Talking about hugs, Jesus brings it in for the real thing. So we will talk to you on Monday. We will recap Roger Goodell. How does he hug all the NFL prospects or draftees? We'll talk about all the top picks, all the big moves. But most importantly, God loves you. Have a wonderful day. I'm Bryce Johnson. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.